Welcome to the Gold Standard here on the 440 Sports Network. My name is Braden Gall, and you can follow me on the Twitter at Braden Gall. And I'm Adam Vingan on Twitter at Adam Vingan. Pay for good journalism where? At TheAthletic.com. And we will cover some of that really good journalism a little bit later on in the show. Good stuff about Forsberg up on the website. Really awesome piece about Mike uh, Mark Borowiecki and some of the stuff that he dealt with last season, um, which is sort of turning into like your... I don't know what you call it when you're a writer and you've got like a expertise, but I think you do a very good job on those pieces and uh, you've written about it before. And you've it's in my it. wheelhouse. It's in your wheelhouse. Yeah. What? I don't know. Genre? Motif? I don't know what the right word is. But Expertise is fine. You do a great job with it. Thank and you. Everyone should go read it. And if you haven't, you should pay for good journalism and go read it. We'll also talk about some of the Central Division coaches a little bit later on in the show as well. Also, uh, from I, be- I believe your colleague Pierre Lebrun on The Athletic, you should go, of course, read that. We are going to dive into what the hell happened with Rem Pitlick. Um, We'll talk about some of the roster decisions and the the lineups that they've got to – the decisions they've got to make. John Hines and David Poyle here in a little while. We will make our official predictions, Adam, in stone next week on the show. Yes. Next week. So be prepared for next week, which will come out the morning of the first day of the season for the press. So we're two minutes into this podcast and we're already telling people to listen to next week's podcast. Right. Well, I just told everybody what's coming up on this show. Yes. And so then I said, we haven't even gotten to, you're not going to get there. Topics yet. Yes. You're not going to hear predictions this week on the show. We're going to do some projected lineup stuff, some roster decision stuff, but the official predictions for the central division and the NHL and the Predators will be next week on the pod as we get you ready for game one, which the regular season is right around the corner. Uh, before we do any of that, however, Adam Vingan, mm. the gold standard is brought to you by who? It's brought to you by Jaspers. How much does it cost to park your vehicle there? Nothing. Where would be a great place to go watch the Predators play, potentially? There. At Jasper's. At Jasper's. At Jasper's. And they have something for everybody. If you're into hamburgers, if you're into fine dining, if you're into just sort of sitting around at the bar drinking a cocktail named after a podcast that you like to rate, review, and subscribe to, called The Gold Standard, Jasper's is your spot. If Urban Meyer would have gone to Jasper's, (laughs) none of that unpleasantness would have happened. Because that doesn't happen at Jasper's. Infidelity does not happen at Jasper's. (laughs) I have so many... There's so many ways I want to take this, but I don't think Jasper's wants me to. Or or Vanderbilt. Jasper's is a if, family... If Urban Meyer was the coach at Vanderbilt, I think he would have gotten away with it. Jasper's is a family establishment where high-profile co- football coaches will not go to grope women who are not their wives. Go to go to Jasper's. Go to Jasper's. <laughs> I don't know why they still work with us. Um, all right, Adam. Because we give them business. <laughs> That's true. We do. Um, all right. Let's dive into just number one, first and foremost. We are taping this the day after the fifth preseason game, the one they won in overtime. Philip Tomasino scored on a Philip Forsberg feed. That's already probably too much analysis. If the Predators if the Predators win in overtime in the preseason against Carolina, in, it, yeah, I already said overtime, and Ryan Johansson doesn't score a walk-off goal, did it really actually happen? No, he scored the first goal. Right, but for two consecutive years, he scored walk-off overtime <laughs> goals in Raleigh where he just scored and went immediately down the tunnel. See, I, I this is how little you should pay attention to preseason scores and box scores because I did not even know that was a thing. 
Check and, it out and, if you haven't cover, already. And I cover the team. Um, I, here, here's the thing. How do you watch preseason games? I be- don't. <laughs> because, because I do think... Kidding, the, sort of. The last game or two, as the roster has been trimmed down, they had 28 players, and we'll get to some of the decisions they've got to make. But they, they were down to 28 players on Tuesday against Carolina. Carolina played a lot of its stars. Most of its best players played both Nashville and Carolina. So mm-hmm. at least it felt a little bit more like a real hockey game. I do think the last couple of games, you can at least get a sense or a feel for if some of the young players belong. Philip Tomasino, just, he, he didn't wow me, but he did finish with the game winner. I The guy who stood out the most to me, Adam, mm-hmm. was number 70, Igor Asanafiev. Let's try that again. Igor Afanasiev. Afanasiev. That's what I said. No, you definitely did not say that. What are you talking about? You sounded like you had a mouthful of marbles. You always sound like you have a mouthful of marbles. Anyway, so let's look at the I li- like the way he played. Let's in look the at pre-season. the lineup from last night's game. To your point about it, it being down to uh, the final 28, and of course, NHL rosters have a maximum of 23. So we're just going to go line by line here. This is how I think we should analyze this game. Let's look at the lineup that they deployed last night and get a sense of what these lines could look like when the games start to count. With the caveat that the only player who was scratched from last night's game, Tuesday night's game, that would even be remotely close to a top six forward would be Luke Cunning. Of all the other scratches, Nick Cousins, Matthew Olivier, Michael McCarron, Philip Philippe Meyer, like there was nobody else that would even be considered a top six forward other than Luke Cunning, in my opinion. Do you agree with that? Yes. So, so that I think that's an important caveat to what you're about to explain. Okay, so because you're about to read off the second line, and I think it's important. Okay, so the top line: Forsberg, Johansson, Duchesne, and I think it's pretty safe to say that that will be the the top line when the season starts. I think that's the right decision for Duchesne. I, I agree, and I think we talked about this last week, about the other decisions they have to make, and uh, particularly at second and third line center. Um, and Duchesne playing on the right wing with Forsberg and Johansson seems to make a lot of sense. They played well during the preseason. I thought they played well in a small sample in the playoffs last year, so why not give it another go? The, the second it, line. It also makes it easiest on Duchesne to have to carry the least amount of load on his line mates. Yeah. Right? I mean, does that make sense? Like, if you if you put him centered on the second line, you're asking him to do a lot of work. Correct. You put him on the wing with Forsberg and Johansson, you're saying, do your thing. So, on your second line, you have Ellie Tolvanen on the left, Mikhail Granlin in the middle, and Philip Tomasino on the right. And I think that's an intriguing line. Um, I, I, you know, I like the fact that you've got a 21 or 22 year old Tolvin in on the left. You've got a 20 year old Tomasino on the right. You've got a veteran in Granlin in the middle that can, you know, shepherd them along. Um, I, I, I would be intrigued by that line if it were to stick, um, in the preseason game on Saturday against Tampa, it was Tolvanen, Glass, and Tomasino. Um, that's a really I young called line. it the competitive rebuild line. Yeah, that's a very, um, very with, young with, line. With Glass also being in his early 20s. Um, so that top six, you know, if that were the top six next Thursday night against the Seattle Kraken. How do you feel? 
honestly, I'd feel pretty good, um, all things considered. Um, do, I, do you feel good about that line being able to win you hockey games? The, the, the Granlin line? Or that line being very, very talented in a position to develop and allow Tolvanen and Tomasino to gain experience. Yeah, I, I think it's that, the latter. I mean, sense? I think Granlund is the right Granlund is the right center for those two, I think. Just because of how uh, much John Hines relies on Granlund. Um and Granlund is certainly going to see um an uptick in his leadership responsibilities uh now that Ryan Ellison and Victor Arvidsson and Callie Yarncroke and Pecorina are gone. Um, so <laughs> just those guys. Just those guys. Um, so <laughs> your your third line, Tanner Janot, Cody Glass, and Rocco Grimaldi. I kind of like that. The I think I think when the season starts, if Janot and Glass are together, I think Cunnan is in Grimaldi's spot. I, and I like that even more. Um, Rocco Grimaldi is an interesting case study in when like. It's interesting when you when you gauge people's um, when you gauge fans' um, opinion on Rocco Grimaldi because there are a lot of Rocco Grimaldi fans among the Predators fan base and and he certainly has earned those fans. Being small seems like is it, it doesn't help. Fa- but, no, but fans like that though. With- yes, I mean it was the same thing with Victor Arvidsson. Right, um, but. With Rocco, you don't have to worry about him on the offensive end. I, I think, I mean, I, I think he's a, a a capable depth scorer, but he is a liability defensively, and and I think that is what has led to him being out of the lineup more often than not with John Hines. Um, he's, I think, the perfect thirteenth forward. A guy who can come in and out of the lineup, <laughs> right. um, but not a guy who's going to be playing every single night. Um, so if if the what how, I would, how about with him and Olivier as your thirteenth and fourteenth forwards? That, I have that feels nice. You're also forgetting about Nick Cousins. Cousins would be th- those three could be your three off the bench. That'd be a hell of a bench, right? But then are you carrying fifteen forwards? Yeah, maybe not. Um, okay, so you know so. I think if you had a line of Tanner Janot, Cody Glass, and Luke Cunnan, I think that is a a solid third line. The the fourth line last night: Trenin, Sizens, and Afanasiev. Um, well, sorry, that's where you put Olivier. I, so the interesting thing is, so they've got twenty eight players left in camp, and they have to cut at least five. So one, so some of them seem self explanatory. They're going to carry two goaltenders, so Connor Ingram is going to be okay. waived. And or he might have to go through waivers actually, but he's going to be sent to the Milwaukee Admirals and be their starter okay. th- this season. And they've st- and the Milwaukee Admirals started their training camp, I believe, today, either yesterday or today. So that's without 20- Rem Pitlick, without Rem Pitlick, which we'll get to. Hmm. That's twenty seven. Michael McCarron, I don't expect him to be on the on the opening night roster any- either. Agree. That's twenty six. Okay, that's two I would make. Um. I believe, Jeremy Davies? I believe Jeremy Davies is also waiver-exempt. That's 25. Okay. So, Philip Tomasino, Igor Afanasiev, and Matthew Olivier, if I, if I recall my cap-friendly research correctly, are all waiver-exempt, which means that they can just get sent down to the minors and you don't have to hold your breath for a day. So, it would be... I wonder... I mean... I, I, 
I think Tomasino is not on the opening day roster. You don't think so? I don't think I, so. I think, I think he makes it and Afanasiev goes to Milwaukee. I think they both are. You think they both go to Milwaukee? I think they play it safe. I don't know. Like, when it comes to this season, not, when it comes like to this season, I, I like how much, how, the point? how, yeah, how safe do you have to play it? Um, like, I think Tomasino is closer to being ready than Afanasiev. I think Afanasiev is in that, you know, is in the same role as Ellie Tolvanen was, and at one point Kevin Fiala was, where they had a good camp, but they needed to go to Milwaukee and play on the top line and have more responsibility versus playing in the bottom six. I think Tomasino could easily play in the top six in the on in in Nashville now. I think Afanasiev needs to go to Milwaukee and be in the top six role before he's ready for prime time. Which is which is funny because I thought Asanafiev was more. See, you didn't say it what? right there. What did I say? You said Asanafiev, I think. Asanaf. Afanasiev. I've said his name correctly for years. Why can I not get it right now? Get it right. Ah. Afanasiev. Afanasiev. There you go. That's what I said. Gesundheit. That's what I said. Anyway, I thought he... It's absolutely not what you said. He looked more... I don't want to say confident. That's not the right word, maybe. But I thought he looked more physically ready to be out there more... And maybe confident is the right word. Moving around. Again, how much is it with preseason games? It's impossible to sort of really judge. But Tomasino looks like he's feeling his way around sometimes. Like Tolvanen used to look. Tolvanen now, to me, in the preseason games that I've watched, looks comfortable and ready right. to go. Cody Glass, I wanted to see him, looks comfortable, ready to go. He's played a lot of games in the NHL, even though he's pretty young. I, I, I did not see the consistent shift in, shift out sort of confidence that I want out of Tomasino that I expected. I think it's there. I think he's going to be great. I, I just, I thought Afanasiev. There you go. What? That's the sex exactly what no, I said. No, that's the first time you've said it correctly. I, I've said it correctly for years. I'm so pissed at myself right now. Um, I, I think that he looked more prepared. Well, he's also played some professional hockey. You know, he played in the KHL for a bit last year because the junior leagues, as we all know, did not play, or most of them did not play. Afanasia. There you go. But, <laughs> like, the question is, this is the question you always have to ask. Is it better to have a player like him in a reduced role in the NHL yeah. or in an elevated role in the AHL? And... You know, when you think so, we so we're at, so let's go back. So at twenty eight, so we've got twenty eight. All right. So Ingram, McCarran, so Ingram, and Davies are gone. So that's twenty five. So you got to cut two more. So you have three forwards in Afanasiev, Tomasino, and Olivier, who I believe are all exempt from waivers. So you would think that two of those three forwards will not be on the team to start the season. Um, that would leave you with thirteen forwards. Eight defensemen and two goaltenders for twenty-three. But that's putting Grimaldi in the. That, that's putting Grimaldi as your extra in, forward, and and Cousins in the lineup, and Cousins in the lineup. I why think why do right. I not like Nick Cousins in the lineup? I like Nick Cousins in the lineup. I I, I I should, I should. I don't feel that that that's rational because he's a veteran player, and you know he's he's not going to be waived or anything. No, like no, no, that. no, no. It's more about is he the thirteenth forward and Grimaldi? One of the two, or Olivier? I'm, I like Olivier. That's what I'm trying to do is shoehorn Olivier into the lineup. I want him on the bottom line with Trenton and Sissons. 
the original herd line, and as I, it were. And and here's what I love about the line you set up with Cunning, Janot, and Glass. And Glass is you got two dudes that love to go get into the dirty areas mm-hmm. with Cunning and Janot. And Glass likes to go to the front of the net. And too. that allowed, but that allows Glass because he's dealt with some injuries. It allows him to be a more skillful player, right? Because mm-hmm. he's not going to have to be the guy on that line that goes and digs out the defenseman. So that's what I really like about that line. But I want to live. I, I just really like Olivier on the team. I guess. I guess you think they're better with Cousins on the bottom line. So let's let's go with our let's go with our locks here. Let's just go through the roster, and we'll go with our locks. And I'm I just, think the defense is a more interesting discussion, but that's because I just don't know who's good enough. Okay, so Forsberg, one; <laughs> Johansson, two; Duchesne, three; Tolvanen, four; Granlund, five; Janot, six; Glass, seven; Trennan, eight; Sissons, nine. I'd put Cunning ten, Cousins eleven, and then I guess you ha- then you have so then it's Tom. So then you're saying Tomasino and Grimaldi, like Grimaldi, Tomasino, Afanasiev, and Olivier for two spots. Yes, I think I I would not be surprised if if the two rookies get sent back down just to start, just to start. Okay, and then on the because defense- you know what Cousins is right, you can plug him in. You know what if Cunning's healthy, you can plug him in on the second line. So your eight defensemen are. Yossi, Ekholm, Davies, Borvietsky. No, we're sending Davies oh, back. Oh, sorry. Yossi, Ekholm, Harper, Borvietsky, Carrier, Fabro, Myers, Myers, and Benning. Benning. I think the only discussion is so I think I think it's clearly Yossi and Carrier are going to start at the top, right? He could it could be Yossi Carrier, it could be Yossi Fabro. I would assume it's Yossi Carrier and then Ekholm and then question mark. I think it might my, my if I had, this is my guess. This is a complete guess. Yossi Carrier, Ekholm Myers. Um and then you'd go Benning on ben, the left or you could or Fabro. Fabro on the right. Well, you want Benning to play on his offhand? Well, no. Benning is a right-handed defenseman. Okay. So, so you have. Yossi. I think it's Myers or Fabro for the second pairing with Ekholm. That's the discussion. Well, yes. Yeah. So we know that Yossi is number one on the left, and Ekholm is number two. Right. We're going to put Carrier number one on the right, and we'll, I'm going to put Myers on the second. I'm, I'm going to put Myers two, which makes Fabro three. So it could be Harper, Fabro, or Borvietsky, Fabro. I like Borvietsky better than Harper. Borvietsky, Fabro, and you can have Bending swap in. Bending played a lot with Borvietsky last year before Borvietsky was out of the lineup. I, I here's the, I want Harper at eight of those eight, <laughs> right? Yeah, I have no problem with that. And then the question for me is, who plays with Ekholm? Is it Myers or Fabro? One of the two. And then after that, who plays with the guy who loses that job on the left? I like right? I like Myers with Ekholm just because you just it, you have a it's a beefy ass pair. <laughs> yeah. You know, Ekholm yes. they're both in both six four six five. You know, it doesn't help to doesn't hurt to have some meat back there. <laughs> when you when like you, the delicious start, meat that you can get at Jasper's. When you start talking about beefy meats, I don't know. I don't know how how the listening audience takes that. Where's the beef? Um, it's on the second pair. Uh, so, you believe Tomasino starts in the opening lineup? Yes. Game one. Yes. On the second line. Yes. With Granlund and. Yes. Don't play this back if I'm wrong. <laughs> That'll be a hell of an experiment because here's the problem with I'm that. I'm just telling you, at this point, we don't expect anything from this team, right? Like, this is, this, like, I was, so, Dom LeCision, 
was doing his season previews with his with his game score value added algorithm and he was releasing the the um the previews in reverse order so he was released the worst teams first and he was working up to the top yes, you said this last yes time i sure. know but i'm just saying okay. he had the predators as a bottom 10 team in the nhl this season so this is the season to say hey you know what Tomasino, you're 20 years old you're going out there buddy I, I agree. I don't necessarily disagree. I think that there are going to be some really bad shifts, and with, that's with fine. those with those three together. And I, I wonder if how it evolves. If they're in contention, if they're in the race for a playoff, does it evolve? Does Tomasino get good enough that that he earns that spot? I'm just curious because they can play it safe and put Cunning up there. They can play it safe and and put a guy that they they trust up there. So, um, all right. I I guess I will. I am hesitant to always. I'm just always hesitant to assume a star prospect is going to stick in almost any sport, frankly. No, I, I mean like that's I, just my general sort of cynical. Like you need right. time to develop. I think the thing. one thing to keep in mind with Tomasino, and we've of course talked about this a lot, is it, it would be one thing if the world hadn't gone to hell in a handbasket and Philip would have spent all of last season in the Ontario League. Versus having spent the entire season in the American League, like that accelerated his development. Yeah, like I, okay. I am more comfortable putting him in the NHL lineup because he spent last year in the AHL and had a good season for a, for a teenager, basically, because of the situation at hand with the Ontario League and the, and the pandemic. So, okay, if 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 we were if we were having the same conversation and Philip Tomasino would have spent the entire season just. You know, kicking, crushing, crushing the OHL, crushing, crushing the OHL yeah. with a hundred points or whatever. You know that doesn't always translate. I thought the fact that he held his own and okay. was a member of the AHL All Rookie Team last year gives me more confidence that he can handle this than than otherwise. Okay, that's just my feeling. All right, no, I'm, I see it. I follow your line of logic and your line of thinking. There, I don't necessarily disagree with the let's take some risks, let the young kids play. It worked last year. Let's see if it works again this year. I'm okay with all of that. To your point, I think fans need to be okay with an 86-point team. Thereabouts. <laughs> Thereabouts. So we'll get to official predictions next week on the show. And when we come back right here on the Gold Standard, what in God's name happened with Rem Pitlick, as well as why people should pay for good journalism. We'll do, a lot, we'll do all of that when we come back right here on the Gold Standard. Gold Standard, Adam Vingan, is brought to you by Jaspers on West End. I feel like you need to on West End. You need a follow up line when when I throw to you and I say it's brought to you by, and you just go. Ja I think I feel like you need like Jaspers, the beefy second blue line pair or something. Like you need a line after that. Jaspers, where <laughs> we don't condone infidelity. <laughs> This is my favorite thing about Fringe Element Podcast with Aaron Dugan. I know you're an avid listener. Is she just makes it all up at the, on the spot, and I have no clue what she's about to say at any given point. And generally, it's pretty cringy, actually. Just like yours. <laughs> Go to Jasper's. Go where, to Jasper's. We don't condone infidelity. Wait, we do condone infidelity. No, condemn. We condemn infidelity. We do no, not we do not condone it, right, yeah. We do not condone, we condemn. <laughs> Go to Jasper's, where you can get a beefy second pair. Of burgers. Of burgers, <laughs> if you want. Or sliders. Great happy hour. 
Uh, great drink specials, free parking. The, the cocktail of note at Jasper's is called The Gold Standard, which I don't know if you noticed is the name of this podcast. So I feel like we've arrived. Um, so go buy yourself a Gold Standard. Take a picture of it. Post it all over the socials. Tell people that you're at Jasper's and that you're drinking a Gold Standard cocktail. I don't think that's too much to ask if you like this show. And we know there's lots of you that like this show. Yes. And as we talked about last week, we would not steer you wrong. Recommendations are very important to us. We have been told by many listeners who were turned on to Jasper's by this podcast that they enjoyed it very much and that That's they true. would go back and they would tell their friends. And and if you can't tell your friends a good recommendation, what good are you as a friend? That's exactly what I was trying to get at last week. <laughs> Which I think you did very well. I think you did very well. Almost as well as Jasper's makes food for people. Yes. Go to Jasper's. It's free parking. It's a great place to watch the game. And now Preds games are back. So, yeah. if have, so if you have a streaming service that doesn't get uh, the Preds games, Jaspers has got you covered. Yes. Go to Jaspers. Go to Jaspers. All right, Adam, Let's before we get into sort of your story about Mark Borowiecki as well as um, some of the Central Division coaches that are on expiring contracts, I was, I was sort of interested by that piece from Pierre Lebrun on The Athletic. That like all, almost all of the coaches in the Central Division uh, are on expiring contracts, which I thought was interesting. So we'll get into that in just a second. Um, Rem Pitlick, you know, this is a guy all offseason. I think you wrote about him as somebody that should be in the starting lineup for this National Predators team. This is clearly a talented piece. Whether he was going to be a contributor or not on this team in 2021-22 this season is up for debate. He played in 10 games in the NHL last year, played in one the year before that. So he's got some experience, a a, a taste, a cup of coffee. But no matter what you think of how much he was going to contribute, he was absolutely one of the top offensive prospects in the quote-unquote farm system. And losing him to Minnesota, he was placed on waivers along with four other guys, and Minnesota claimed him on Tuesday, snatched him up, and now he's in Minnesota Wild. And I I don't know, it just... I don't know if there was another way around it, if they could have waited. I don't know what what could have happened. What do you make of the decision, and why did the Predators allow one of their top offensive prospects to be just third-round pick? Why is he a Minnesota Wild now? The Wild love the Predators' sloppy seconds. (laughs) Yes, yes, they do. Ryan Hartman, Kevin Fiala. Bones. Anthony Batetto was there. Remember Anthony Batetto? Ole Miss, right? No, his brother went to Ole Miss. Whatever. Yeah, keep Um, going. But... Yes, certainly when the Predators, uh, when when the waiver wire came out a couple of days ago and, and Rem Pitlick was on it, there were a lot of Predators fans who were confused and upset and figured that he wouldn't make it through, and they were exactly right. Um, oftentimes, um, similar to the NFL, when, when teams are putting together their practice squads, sometimes they try to sneak guys that they don't think will get through like at a certain point where there are tons of, there are tons of players on the waiver wire. Um, I think there were probably like close to 20 guys on the waiver wire the day that Rem was placed on waivers throughout the league. And he was the only one claimed out of that group that was put on that day. Um, look, it's certainly, you know, if you're, if you're bummed by that, you know, you're bummed about it. You, you certainly can be. I mean, Rem Pitlick was, was a heck of an AHL player, uh, you know, two seasons ago with the Milwaukee Admirals, he had 20 goals and he got off to a, a slow start if I recall correctly, but then you know, caught on fire 
and in the second half of the season. Of course, the Milwaukee Admirals, before their season was suspended two years ago, was the best team in, in the American League. Um, last year, he started off incredibly well. I think he had eight goals in 10 games or something like that with the um, with the Chicago Wolves. I think he was the player of the month, the first month of the season in the American League. Um, and then I think he was called up and was around the team, you know, throughout the seat with the Predators, whether it was on the taxi squad or in the lineup throughout the year. Um, look, it, oftentimes people fall in love with certain prospects and, and I was going to say Philip Tomasino, which a lot of people have fallen in love with Philip Tomasino. Um, but there were certainly a lot of Predators fans who fell in love with Rem Pitlick and I, I liked Rem Pitlick. I, I thought, you know. He had, you know, he brought an element, you know, that was, I thought he was going to be, you know, a solid third line player. You know, I felt like that would be his, his, uh, you know, his sweet spot, so to speak. Um, but he wasn't an incredibly impactful NHL player. Now he only played in what, like 11 games, you said? 10 games last year, 11 total. Yeah, 11 total NHL games. And, you know, it wasn't that he was bad. It's just he didn't really like, he didn't really stand out. So... You know, certainly, you know the 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 depth of the of the of the prospect pool got a bit shallower with the loss of Pitlick. I don't think it's like a like a detrimental loss. Like you know, no. But if Tomasino's number one prospect, let's call him Afanasiev, is your number two prospect, maybe. Right. If you're looking at, he's play- probably number three. If you're looking, right? I mean, if you're thinking, For, forwards, I mean, if you're looking at. If you're looking at under 23, not like under 23 players in the Predator system, and that can include NHL players too, like you know you've got you've got Tomasino, you've got Afanasiev, you've got Tolvanen, you've got um, Cody Glass. Now you have um, Yaroslav Askarov. You've got you know Alexander Kerr. Well, he's 24, I think. But you know you've got you know you've I mean. Of the four, he's in the top. I would say he's, he's on in, the top. Yeah, he. I mean, he's he's behind. He's behind Tomasino. I would say he's behind Afanasiev. Yes, he's behind Tolvanen. He's behind Glass. So, he's behind Cunning. I, I mean, Cunning's I, young too. Right, and I would put half those guys as NHLers. I wouldn't even call those part of the farm system anymore. Cunning, Glass, and Tolvanen are not going to go play in the AHL. So, here's my question: What was the what was the calculus? Who was the piece they protected over over Rem Pitlick? Because that had to be the decision, right? So, it somebody might have some, been Afanasiev. Somebody somewhere, somebody somewhere didn't have waiver wire eligibility. Because otherwise, it makes no sense. Why not just send Tomasino down then, and and keep Pitlick if if one of them has waiver exemption and the other one doesn't? Do you see? Do you see what I'm saying? Like where where was the calculus that they decided? All right, we've got to protect this other asset and let Pitlick go. One of our top, one of our top, whatever you think of him, you made a pretty good case for him there. But whatever you think of him, one of the better offensive forwards in the farm system, right? So, wh- who was protected over Rem Pitlick is what I want to know. I mean, I would guess that, and and keep in mind as as our listeners know, I'm sort of catching up here because I wasn't really <laughs> paying attention for a month a month and change. No but, excuses. <laughs> but you have to imagine that Afanasiev and Tomasino, despite their waiver exemption, were more impressive to the coaching staff than Ren Pitlick. I don't I don't disagree with that. I understand what you're saying. But you see what I'm saying? Okay. But like would you rather keep Pitlick on the team if you're not if you're so like is, is it your, worth just, just stashing him? We just said Afanasiev is going back down. So if he's going back down anyway, why not hold Pitlick as late as possible? 
to the end. It's I don't a know. question don't worth know. asking, and I'll try to get an answer for you. Who? Which asset was protected over Rem Pitlick? I'm not even saying that what they decided was wrong. I'm not even suggesting maybe they made the right move here. I'm, I'm just saying their forward farm system now is thinner because of this decision, and somebody else was protected in exchange for putting him on the waiver wire. That's all. I was surprised to see him cut when he was cut. Were you? I was. I mean, a little bit. Yes. Yeah. So there you go. So I'm looking at now. I'm I've not got, crazy. I, I've got Corey Promins NHL pipeline rankings oh, from last month, and the Predators were number 16. So he ha- so he has Oskarov number one. Okay. Tolvanen number two. I guess he counts. Whatever. Um. I mean, he's, uh, he's a, Tom, he's a starting C- top six Thomasino player, I guess. number three, Cody Glass four, David Ference five, Fedor Svechkov six, who was the Predators' first round pick, their first first round pick in this draft, Zachary, Zachary LaRue, who was the other. So a couple forwards. So that's seven. Anton Olsen was a, was a uh, number 72 in 2021. I don't know what round that is, maybe third. Luke Evangelista at nine. Okay. So I'm looking at this. Has a chance to play, and the, that that was the top. That was the top ten. So has a and chance that includes to... guys that are very, very, very young, right? right. Okay. Rem Pitlick wasn't even Rem Pitlick isn't even on here. Okay. He he, I, he you know he feels better about Afanasiev and Prokop and okay and, and other players. So like, I know he's a I know. Pitlick is a bit older than these guys. He's just closer to the NHL. Right. He's but closer to being able to contribute. I just That's think all. that, you know. He's just not that good, apparently. He's a very <laughs> he's a very good AHL player. Like, he's a guy that if you have him, you know, so now the Wild have him. Their farm team is in Iowa. The Iowa Wild, as I like to call them. The the <laughs> You are a dad. Yes. If he goes and he can, he can score 20 goals and have 40 points for the Iowa Wild. And be a call up when somebody gets hurt. Matt Zuccarello gets injured, and he can, and, you know, and, and he'll be fine. Right, but like he's not a game changing prospect uh, by any stretch of the imagination. I, I am not suggesting that. I'm I just, know. I'm just curious. But I don't, like I'm. I don't the think the was. loss of Rem Pitlick is what gigantic. You're suggesting that Rem Pitlick does not hold the keys to playoff success for the no. National Predators? No, no way. No, I'm shocked by that. All right, well, we can move on. It's just one guy. <laughs> R.I.P. R.E.M. puns. <laughs> there you go. It was the end of the world as we knew it uh, yesterday. All right, all right, all right. Are you done? That's him in the corner. That's him in the spotlight. No, he's not in the spotlight Losing anymore. his roster spot with the National Predators. <laughs> there, there you go. That was good. That was well done. He might have been orange crushed. Are you done? How many other R.E.M. songs do I know? We'll find out here in a second, won't Those we? are the only three that come to mind. <laughs> okay. Um, all right. The pride of Athens, Georgia. So, uh, real quickly, you wrote a great piece on Mark Borowiecki, a lot about his you know, mental battles last year during COVID, during the, the lockdown, during the bubble, as well as post-concussion. And what I find, I, I don't know, you, you've talked a lot about Colin Wilson over the years, and Colin Wilson being really deep into the throes of intense OCD as a mental disorder for him and how it affected his life. And now he's like an outspoken activist for this stuff. Right. Mm -hmm. So I am just, I I don't know. There's no, I'm sure you don't have any scientific, scientific evidence of this or whatever, but 
OCD is not something you are hearing a lot from from other sports. Mm-hmm. And for there to be two prominent players that are Nashville Predators to be willing to be outspoken about this particular issue, I find that to be interesting. Is that something that has landed on you in the process of talking to him and writing this story, talking to Colin over the years? Is it something that is more you more into hockey? Is it just that these two guys happen to be more outspoken? Does does that make sense? Because I, I find that part to be interesting. Because I hadn't thought about it. You don't hear about NFL players or soccer players. You hear about depression. You hear about head injuries. You hear about a lot of stuff in other sports. You do not hear about OCD. I hadn't thought about it. You know that the Predators have had two players who have been outspoken about um, obsessive compulsive disorder. You know, Collins OCD. You know, manifested itself in the ritualistic way, I guess you could say, in terms of needing to do certain things to to stay in in the right frame of mind. Like lace your sk- skates up the right, the yeah. same exact time every time. Mark's or... OCD manifested manifests itself more in obsessive thoughts. Um, so yep. I mean, it's it's different for everybody. I remember asking Mark if he had, you know, if he you know had rituals that he went through, and he said he never really did, though. You know, most you know most hockey players have rituals before they warm up. You know, whether it's tying their skates, as you said, or taping their sticks, or getting dressed in a certain way. And he said early on in his career, he you know he made sure not to do that because he knew he didn't want to you know sink down the rabbit hole of you know whatever. That's, that's incredible awareness <laughs> at um, the time. But you know, so you know, Mark, you know, Mark told me that he suffered a panic attack. During a game this past season in Tampa, it was in late January. Um, the Predators were playing the Lightning. Um, he was having a rough game. He took a penalty for hooking in the second period. He went to the box. He started twitching in his seat because he was so ashamed of his play and letting everybody down, his teammates down, the coaches down, even as we felt like he was leaving, leaving, letting excuse me, his wife and son down. Um, the Lightning scored on the power play, uh, which sort of put him over the edge. You know, he went right from the penalty box to the dressing room, threw up, um, decided to come back to the game against his better judgment because he didn't want, as I said, didn't want to let his teammates down. Got in the fight with Patrick Maroon, um, one of the bigger players in the NHL. You know, actually took an unsportsmanlike Kyle Deck penalty during the fight because while they were being separated, he threw a punch to Maroon's face while the, the referees were trying to separate the two of them, which Maroon, of course, took umbrage with and 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 mark realized at that moment that he needed help Hmm. um you know and and this is something that he had been dealing with for for several years you know he had a couple of panic attacks during his time with the ottawa senators and the senators did everything they could to help him um you know mark said by his own admission that he did not um for whatever reason take therapy seriously enough he didn't buy in as much yeah, yeah um when he was with ottawa uh which he came to regret um but you know he went once this happened in 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 this game in january this panic attack he knew that you know something was was wrong um and as he you know stepped back for about a week um he he learned through conversations with the predators medical staff the sports psychologist on staff that he had an undiagnosed case of obsessive compulsive disorder. And, and what was so uh, um, revealing about that was, you know, he, he thought he just had generalized anxiety disorder. 
and he was taking a generalized anxiety medic anti-anxiety medication. Uh, but once he found out he had OCD, he was able to change his medication to one that was more tailored to his needs. You know, he was able to you he had it was a breakthrough as his, as his wife put it to me. Um, and, you know, it was it was really, you know, I'm, I'm really grateful that Mark and his wife, Tara, uh, were willing to be open with me about it. Um, you know, Mark really seems to be in a good place. Um, you know, he suffered a season ending concussion. Um in Which March is of last like year. the worst possible thing and that could I did happen ask to somebody. Him about, I did ask him going about through that. some mental health issues. I like, did ask him about that. You know, I asked him about. How, I asked him how many concussions he's had in his career, and and he said he thinks uh, that the one he had in March was his fifth. And oh, I asked him if God. there was any correlation, or had if anybody had told him that there was any correlation between his head injuries and his obsessive compulsive disorder. And he and he said that he wasn't specifically told that there was a link between the two but he figures that it probably played a role in it uh, just because there have been studies it should i ask the question man i feel weird even asking this go ahead because we know the nfl and what they've done to quote unquote i don't want to say cover it up but the effects of head trauma right so if is it an nhl doctor that's telling him they, there's maybe no connection does that make sense like i i well, I don't know who the doctor in question was. I don't know right, if it was an NHL that's doctor. Why, that's or why a, I hesitate to ask the or question. Or a Predators doctor. Um, but, you know, there ha like I said, there have been studies that show that have that show that obsessive excuse me, obsessive compulsive disorder can be exacerbated by head injuries, which you would, you know, doesn't, you know, it seems to make a lot of sense, even yes. if you are in a PhD. No, and the, um, the same thing with like, you know, depression or feeling like you're letting your team down, right. that kind of stuff. Like that all can very much be tied back to, I mean, again, the NFL is a, right. we've seen it enough. We, I mean, the said. NHL has definitely not done a, a great job with dealing with head injuries. I mean, there've been class action lawsuits against the NHL for how they've handled concussions and head trauma you know, for a long time. I'm not sure a sport has handled it well. No, I, I so. don't know either. Um, did, did you take, what What do you want people to learn from these types of pieces that you write? The one thing that Mark, Mark mentioned this to me, we talked about this off, I mean, the equivalent of off camera, um, because we were, I didn't film it, but without the recorder on. And he made a really interesting point to me that I guess I really hadn't thought of. And when you, when you hear it, you know, it doesn't seem like it should be so groundbreaking, but it is. When you look at Mark's season last year, when you look at his numbers, when you look at his fancy stats, when you look at everything like that, he did not have a good season. He did no, not. No. But you, we were missing the context of he was dealing with some dark thoughts and, and dealing with and, and look, Mark and had a major a, head injury. Right. Mark had Mark had. You know, so his experience with free agency last year when he signed with the Predators was the first time that he'd ever been a, an unrestricted free agent. So that's stressful. I mean, he he grew up in Ottawa, like that. He, the Senators were his hometown team, so he's been in that area for a very long time. So moving with with a wife and a newborn son is definitely not easy. And before last season started, he and, and Tara contracted COVID nineteen. 
Um, so he had to deal with that as well. And he missed the beginning of Predator's training camp because he was recovering from COVID. Talk about the list of things you do not want to deal with if you... Right. So the... the COVID, panic... new baby, moving, changing jobs. Right. Like, it's literally the, the list. The panic attack was sort of the end result of all of this stuff happening. Yeah. And we never... You never... Un... Like, the thing is, you have to... When you look at a player and how he's performing, oftentimes we're missing that context of what could he be going through off the ice that could be affecting his play. And I think by understanding what Mark was going through last year, it puts his season in much sure. clearer context. So he did not have a good season statistically last year. But now we have a better understanding of why he didn't have a good season statistically. And you hope that because he's better, he'll yeah. have a better season in his role. And it's fascinating, too, because this is sort of like a mini lamestream conversation at this point. But... It's interesting because it's a double-edged sword of not wanting to pry into people's personal business too much as a reporter because it's some of it's not your business, right? Like what's going on in somebody's marriage or with somebody's family life or with somebody's home or children or parents or whatever. It's not really our business. But if it does help explain something that's going on with the team or going on on the ice, it, it then allows us to shape the story better and more accurately so that the audience doesn't boo the wrong guy or whatever. So I don't know. I don't know if you can like if if what's the way you can go about acquiring more access for stuff like like that. Does that make sense? Like because again, it's a double edged sword. You don't want to. There need to be boundaries, personal boundaries between an athlete and a reporter. Mm -hmm. But it also can be helpful for all parties involved if some information is known. If that makes sense. Right. Well, so, just for just a commentary. Well, just for background. It. Just for background purposes. Um, Mark made this admission on June 1st in an Instagram post where he talked about his season. He, he talked about his concussion. He talked about how he dealt with obsessive compulsive disorder and took time away from the team. Shortly after he posted that message, I sent him a note saying, you know, I, I appreciate you being open about this. I would like when, when you're ready, I would like to, t to talk to you about this more in depth. And he didn't respond um, I figure he was inundated with messages, I'm sure. So in early August, I followed up and we played phone tag for a little bit. He went out of town, um, to visit family. The day that we actually sat down to talk was the day I learned the day before my, my wife was being induced for labor. So, so stressful time for right, you. <laughs> so, the, yeah, right. So the week that my son was born was the week I conducted this interview. So, you know, I had already done it. Um, before my son was born, and I talked to Tara um, while I was on leave. It was like the only work-related thing I did while I was on leave. Was but if he doesn't post about it, correct? Nobody knows. You don't write the story. Nobody has any context to understand his play better, right? And I, and, and so I, it's I, tough. It's a tough I, situation. And it's it certainly seems that the NHL is starting to NHL players, especially this off season. You know, remember a couple of years ago, Robin Leonard, now with the Vegas Golden Knights, but I believe he was at the, with the Buffalo Sabres at the time, or maybe the Islanders, um, you know, opened up about his issues with mental health. Jonathan Drouin from the Montreal Canadiens, who, who sat out most of last season um, for personal reasons, admitted recently um, that he was dealing with anxiety and insomnia and took a, took a time away from the team. Um, Cody Glass, after practice the other day, you know, unprompted, brought up in his experience, because he had a tough go of it, he was, you know, he was recovering from knee surgery when when the pandemic started, and he couldn't go home. He stayed in Vegas to rehab. He was alone. He wasn't oh, with his family. It's brutal. You know, he was talking about his experience. He like we didn't ask him about it. He brought it up. Like it's becoming. Well, I mean, there's 
I, I think know. Connor Ingram's the obvious one. Right. Connor Ingram. So like there 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 are, you know, people are becoming more open about these things. And I think it's important and, and you know, the response to the article was great. And the most important thing, and then we can end this conversation here, is that there were people who responded either in the comments section or on Twitter saying, like, hearing someone like Mark Borowiecki talk about these things makes me feel more comfortable about my experiences. Yep. There was a person who commented on the article who said he went to the Predators preseason game against Tampa over the weekend, but had an anxiety attack early in the game and had to leave. Like he was, wow. and, and, but it made him, I'm sorry, I can't remember the person's name, but it made him feel better about knowing, Hey, I'm like, if a professional athlete is dealing with this right. stuff, it's okay that I'm dealing with this stuff too. Like that, like that's, that's the power of the yeah. athlete story, which again, I want more of, but only like, like you said, when they're ready, because it's not like, again, it's so personal. It's got to be the right place and time. So, right. all right. G- great work by you. Great story. This is why you pay for good journalism. Go to the athletic, give them a couple bucks. You'll get great stories like that about Mark Borvietsky, uh, Burrow cop, of course, as he's affectionately known, which is also a tremendous story that you should go refresh yourself on as well. I, I, he's already one of my, one of my, my favorite guys on the team already. Uh, all right. Quickly here, just to wrap this up, I, I saw this. This was Pierre Lebrun at The Athletic, another good reason to pay for good journalism. He was kind of taking a look at the NHL at all the coaches that need contract extensions, and there are a lot of them in the Central Division, I, I noticed. Of like the six he wrote about, four of them are in the Central Division, all of whom are picked to basically be very, very good this year. Uh, Jared Bednar, at Colorado, of course, we know how good the Avs are supposed to be. Dean Evison, we everybody knows about him. Uh, at Minnesota, Craig Berube at St. Louis, who's a Cup champion, and Rick Brownis at Dallas. Just out of curiosity, any of those guys not going to be re-signed, in your opinion? And number two, where is John Hines in the Central Division, in your opinion? Um, all of them are all of them are good coaches. Dean Evison was a finalist for the uh, Jack Adams. You know, Berube is a Stanley Cup winning coach. Jared Bednar has the avalanche among the best teams in the league. You know, Rick Bonus, you know, came on under tough circumstances. Remember Jim Montgomery, who was the head coach of the Dallas Stars, was fired for cause, I believe it was. Yeah, it was complicated. Yes. Um, And he came in, led them to a Stanley Cup final in the bubble. Um, You know, I I think Bonus is the one I feel like is least likely to, to return, but I think that's almost on his own. Like that's his own decision. He's, he's he could old. be yeah. He could be he's ready old. to walk away. He's old. <laughs> where 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 is Hines in the Central Division? And like uh, like ranking coaches? Sure. All four of those guys ahead of him. Yeah, probably. They have they have lo- be- they have better track records. And then we're missing Paul Maurice. We're missing Jeremy Colleton. We're John Hines. Um, why am I forgetting the the new coach of the Coyotes whose name I can never pronounce? I don't know if it matters. Um, <laughs> and I think that well that that's is that eight? I think that's eight. Yeah. Okay. Um, I mean, I would probably have him like five or six, five or six. Yeah. Um, and I also believe this is the last year of Hines' contract too. Um, I thought so too, but it wasn't in the article. Yes, I, I blame believe, Pierre LeBrun. Yes, I believe this is I, I and I can't remember. Who reported it? Whether he has, or whether whether John has an option past this season, or if it's the team that has an option past this season. But I believe this is the last year of John's contract because, if I recall correctly, when he was fired by New Jersey, he was under contract through last season. So when he signed with the Predators, 
they maintained that contract and added a year on top of it. That that sounds right. So this is this would be John's last last year of John's contract. Well, Pierre's got to put him in the put him in the article then. There you go. What's going on with that? <laughs> um 2021-22 three-year deal. This will be a third year of his contract. So, yes, that, that's that's where he's signed through. Yeah, I don't know. I think he's I still think he's we've talked about this. I think he's what he's known for is developing young talent. He's got a lot of young talent on the team. So much so that they may not be very good, but he might be the right guy to for the job right now to develop them. So right, I, mean, I just was, you... I just was curious because I saw a lot of first a lot of guys with one year left on the deal, and most of those seem to be guys that they're they're going to be resigned in the Central Division. A lot of very good teams, right? Dallas, I mean, Minnesota. Right. You know, we know about Evison, obviously. So I mean, like Jared Bednar has been with the Avalanche now for for a few years, and he's had a lot of success, and he's also been a successful coach. At the lower, at the at the minor league level, I believe he's won a Calder Cup and maybe a Kelly Cup too. Um, Bonus has been around for a long time. Barube's won a Stanley Cup. He's been around. Uh, Paul Maurice is one of the like longest tenured coaches in NHL history, just in terms of the number of games he's coached. Um, so you know, Everson, you know, has the wild humming. Had a great year last year. Um, so. You know, there's a lot to like um, about the coaches in the Central Division. So I would have John in the in the in the sec- in the bottom half of that group. Yeah. But I, I mean, I think John, as we all know, as the water carrying Heinz apologist, <laughs> I think John is a good coach. That's what we do on this show. We apologize for John Heinz. Uh, all right, next week on the show, official predictions for the entire season. Uh, of course, uh, we'll be on Thursdays. We'll stay right here on Thursdays when we come out uh, on the pod. Of course, all through the football season, and then. Starting around January, February, we'll switch to Wednesdays. But uh, just just for now, stick stick right here on Thursdays. Um, we'll have you every week, same time, same place, same location. Please rate, review, and subscribe, all that great stuff. Pay for good journalism at The Athletic as well. Adam Vingan, where can people find you? On TheAthletic.com and on the Twits, at Adam Vingan. And if perhaps you wanted a nice burger, where would, where would people find you? Jaspers. That's right. And if you're looking for discounted used clothes, you can find me on Poshmark. Stop it. At Adam Ving. Oh, you're trying to sell your clothes? Yeah, I'm no, selling No, no, we're selling burgers for Jaspers. Go to Jaspers and buy things from Jaspers. Don't go to Adam's clothing store. No free shouts, Adam. You don't get to, you don't get to market your closet on this podcast. I know. I've got cool clothes. I like your shoes. Thanks. I'm selling a <laughs> pair of shoes. If you want a pair of Jordans, Stop. they're on there. What kind? One, uh, 11s? No, they're like... Go to uh, Jaspers. They go to Jaspers. Where you can, if you want to, you can wear my Jordans by going onto Poshmark.com. Stop it. Go to Jasper's Park for free where you don't have to pay for Adam's used clothing. <sighs> Adam Vingan, my name's Braden Gall. I call it loved clothing. You're a writer, a wordsmith, my man. Uh, thank you guys all for listening. Please share the product. We do appreciate it. Go to Jasper's, everybody. My name's Braden Gall. At Braden Gall on Twitter, this has been the gold standard on the 440 Sports Network.